got a ways to go, and we're going to see God do some amazing things in the process. Do you believe it? Here's what I know. In four campuses portable, in four years, we've seen God change more than 30,000 lives, giving their lives to Jesus. That's amazing. It's just the beginning. And also just a little announcement for all of our campuses. I'm pretty excited. You know, we do everything that we do with only 42 staff members. So um, when you've got this many thousands of people come to church and only 42 staff members, it takes a ton of dream teamers. Can you give them a great big hand? All of our volunteers at all of our campuses crushing it. But every now and then we add to our staff and we, we look for people who are amazing, who have the heartbeat of Hope City, but who also uh, desperately love Jesus and want to see God change lives. And we have this week added um, some new people to our team. Um, you know them. We're excited to have them. Um, please welcome Pastor Daniel and Jackie Groves to the staff at Hope City. Come on, somebody. I love you. So we're, we're fired up. Come on. Let's go. Excited to have them here. And so the beard game has gotten stronger. We both decided to wear flowery shirts today. So it is what it is. <laughs> and the shoe game, wow, you definitely raised the shoe game at Hope City for sure. Give them another big hand. I love them. Coming on our team is teaching pastors. So you'll see and hear them uh, a lot more. And you'll see them at campus levels. And we're excited about um, them being a part of our team. Aren't you glad that God brings amazing people um, here? And we love our staff and love our team. And I'm ready to preach. Fired up. Okay, so I'm just, I'm going to serve warning on you right now. You boys fired up. My wife gave me a new shirt that looked like a little Hawaiian kid or something. I don't know, a little Hawaiian shirt. Like, this will be the last time I wear this shirt. But uh, anyway, <laughs> I love, I love, uh, I love art. I love beautiful scenery. We, uh, Jennifer and I got to go uh, to Paris, France. We were in Paris for two days um, on the end of this little trip that we took. And uh, man, it's unbelievable. Everything's there is thousands of years old. It's just, I love, I love beauty. I love to just observe God's creation and just what he's done. And man, I can see God's hand with a sunset and a, and a sunrise. And I love that stuff. And somebody sent me um, a, a picture and the caption said stunning beach photo. And I want to show it to you. It's kind of a, a raw picture of, you can see the sand and the surf and the, and the, and the sky. And as I got to look at it, I was like, man, that's actually kind of, that's actually kind of cool. It's neat. You know, something off there in the distance. I don't know what, it's just kind of neat. And then I read the rest of the caption. It said, stunning photo of beach is not what it seems. And some of y'all know because it went viral on the internets last week. This is not a beach. This ain't Galveston. This is the lower part of a car door that needs to be repaired. Some of you are like, wow, look at the art. It's so creative. It's like they took it with a 35 millimeter camera. Wow, the graininess just pulls out the feeling. No, that's the best up car door that needs to be repaired. See, right down there, that's somebody. <laughs> and then some dude was like, I'm going to take a picture of that. Wow, look, that looks like a beach. Uploaded to the internet and the internet broke. <laughs> and I think this is an example of how oftentimes our lives operate. But it happens in reverse. God gives us a stunning sunset. God gives us a beautiful restoration and grace and mercy. And all the enemy wants us to focus on is the broken pieces and the incomplete parts. But whenever you realize how much God has done for you, it changes your perspective and you're able to see beyond what you can see. Nobody in the scriptures, specifically in the New Testament, had this ability more than the Apostle Paul. This is a guy who could be sitting in prison and write a book of the Bible. I mean, just unbelievable powerhouse perspective. And, 
And he gives us a little bit of a secret. I'm going to give you the secret to Paul's uh, power, the secret to Paul's ability to do what he did. It's kind of wrapped up in Romans chapter 8. First is he knows what's going to happen in our life. He knows he knows that like, God didn't call him to easy. Turn to your neighbor and say, God didn't call you to easy. <clears throat> Some of us think that when I give my life to Jesus, it's all going to be roses and butterflies and perfection. And it's not. Life is hard. Turn to your neighbor and say, life is hard. Some of y'all didn't look at anybody. You're like, I know, I ain't had to say that. I... <laughs> Life's hard. Paul understood this, yet he somehow finds faith in pain. How'd he do that? Here's, here's how. Romans chapter 8, verse 35. Who? <laughs> you had to forgive me because your boy's ready to preach. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness, or sword. If he's naming all of these things, then that means all of these things could happen. In fact, he follows it up with a prophetic word. He says, as it is written, for your sake or for God's sake, we are killed all day long. Study Christianity around the world, and it's happening in different countries right now. Killed for the cause of Christ. He said, we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Very weird scripture because he doesn't listen. He talks about all this horrible stuff that's going to happen. And then he says, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Now, I would have changed it if I were writing that book. I would have said, yet delivered from all of these things, we are more than conquerors. When God snatches us right before we go through the trial, we are conquerors. He didn't say that. He says, in all these things. We are more than conquerors. Here's what that lets me know. No matter what you go through, no matter what comes against you, no matter what hell throws at you, no matter what the enemy brings into your life, I'm still a conqueror. So don't judge me based on what's happening around me. Judge me based on what's happening in me. Sorry, forgive me. I... <laughs> How did he do that? For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers. Huh? That's what the commas mean right there. Nor things present, nor things to come. Huh? Nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. It's powerful. Paul understood something that is challenging today's Christians. Truth is, American Christians specifically. Or I should say developed world Christians. We have people that watch from over 100 countries. Developed world because it's a little bit easier, right? Than Paul's day where it was fighting and, and they were killed daily for trusting in God. But Paul understood something. It was a secret. In fact, Paul understood the three most powerful words in the human vocabulary. I'm going to give them to you today. They're the three most powerful words in the human vocabulary, okay? In fact, every advertiser wants you to say these words. Every professor wants you to say these words. Pastors want you to say these words. In fact, when you go on a diet and you try to stay in ketosis, <laughs> some of y'all are in ketosis right now. I like carbs. Thank you, Jesus. Ah. Whoever comes up with the diets, they want you to say these words. If you have kids, how many of y'all have kids? You have kids? You have kids? You want your kids to say your unruly, crazy little rugrats. You want them to say these words? Now, some of you already think you know what they are, so I'm going to tell you what they are not. It is not, I love you. Some of you are like, oh, man. 
Come next week, and I'm going to tell you how weak that statement is. Mm. Mm. Y'all better get ready, get ready, get ready. <laughs> I love you. You also love tacos. That doesn't mean anything. Um, mm, ain't what you say is what you do. All right. Okay. It's not, I forgive you. It's not, I am sorry. The three most powerful words, you need to get them, and here's why. Every campus, all around the world, everybody watching or listening online, there's going to come a moment after the lights are out and the worship is quelled down and our team's not singing and I'm not up here firing you up. There's going to come a moment when life hits you like a Mack truck and you're going to have to be able to peel yourself off of the pavement and declare like the Apostle Paul declared the three most powerful words. Here they are. I am persuaded. Underwhelming response. Some of y'all are like, it's going to be revelatory. Not very revelatory. Get ready to write this down. Don't worry about it. May not be as revelatory as you want it to be, but I can tell you this. It took a guy from his life all the way to glory. It took him through hardship. It took him through pain. It took him through violence. It took him through beatings. It took him through shipwrecks. It took him through rejection. And he was able to say, I am persuaded that neither depth, nor life, nor height, nor depth, nor demons, nor principalities, nor powers, nor any created thing is able separate me he knew he was going to go through pain in fact he looks at the christians of the day and says i go now bound in the spirit and i know the holy spirit testifies to me that only hardship and abuse await me what's wrong with him if you know you're getting ready to go into something hard you kind of don't want to go into it right paul's like what's wrong with you He's persuaded. He's persuaded. Turn to somebody next to you and say, I'm persuaded. Here's what I want you to understand. There's power in persuasion. Last night after I finished preaching our service, my oldest daughter came up to me and she was like, hey, Pop, I think it would be beneficial if you studied that word persuaded and gave a definition for it. And I was like, thanks. I had no idea she was opening a can of worms. Like I couldn't hardly, like there's so much in it, but here's what I, I just give you the, I, I, I studied a lot. I didn't even develop, develop how to say it. So I'm just going to kind of give you how it came to me as I'm studying the lexicons and studying what Spurgeon said about it and studying what all the scholars and theologians say about it. Persuasion is not confidence in this verse of scripture. Persuasion in the Greek is the root word of faith. So Paul, <laughs> can't tell you this. God gives faith. Faith is not you on your own saying, I have faith in God. No, 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 no. Faith is a gift from God. And the Bible says to each man is given a measure of faith. So whether or not you think you have faith, you already have faith. You just got to wake it up on the inside of you. And then you can increase your faith. When Paul says, I am persuaded, he's not saying, I am confident. I am just convinced. He's saying, God has given me the gift of persuasion. God gives it. Whenever I come to God and I say, Lord, I repent. Because some of you are saying, yeah, I'm just not as positive as you are. That's okay. I'm just not positive. Okay, it's okay. God can change you from the inside out. And he can take somebody who, who has a hard time. When you have a revelation of who Jesus is and how much you need him, he blesses you with persuasion. 
Persuasion also means obedience. So when I'm walking out the word of God and the will of God, my faith can grow. You have watched this. Some of y'all have seen this happen in your grandmother or some old aunt or some old bishop, some old man of God somewhere in your life. When they're going through all kinds of stuff, they still have joy. Weird. Weird. You're weird. No, they're persuaded. That nothing can take from me what God has given me. If God gave it to me, the world cannot take it away. And there's a joy in that, that no matter what I walk through, I've got faith that he's with me. I feel like preaching on a Sunday. This is why the enemy constantly messes with your mind. Because if he can mess with your mind, he can mess with your destiny. You ever been around a bully who just shoves you around or talks trash all the time? Like, what's up? What's up? Ain't nothing between you and me but air and opportunity. Feeling froggy jump. You know, just somebody who's just... I grew up where there was a bully in, in, uh, in, in our church. There's always bullies around in your life. And there was this bully in our church. and His name was Donnie. And he had three brothers. And they fought all the time. And he was like my friend sometimes. And then at other times, he would just push me around. And he was just, you know, I, like I wanted to be friends. But then it was just, just one of those kind of relationships. And it was frustrating. It was just frustrating. You know, because like, you don't have to be that way, bro. It's like, I, was like, I was afraid he's going to beat me up all the time. And then one day I'd had enough in Sunday school. <laughs> Best fights happen in Sunday school. That's why we have uniform security in Sunday school all the time. They, they're over there right now. All of, our, all of our Hope City kids, workers at all campuses, they train at jujitsu. I'm kidding. They're not. They are. I remember I was in Sunday school and I was in the 12 year old class and there was a, there, our teacher was very creative and he was teaching us the word of God, the power of the word of God and memorization of scripture and memorizing the books of the Bible. And he told us like, Hey, you're going to jump rope. And every time you jump, you're going to say a book of the Bible. And so I was, you know, it's pretty awesome. He said, now if you miss a jump, you have to start back over. Or if you miss a book, you have to start back over. So it was awesome. It was a great way to learn it. And, and I was good. And I had learned it. I had worked on it because it gave me something. It gave me this goal. And I remember I was in the Old Testament and Donnie was standing right there. And he just, he went, and put his hand in the rope. And I was like, like that. And Mr. John didn't even see it. And he was like, you got to start over, Foster. I was like, come on, man. He did it like three times in the OT. Finally, I looked at him. I said, because my dad had always told me you can't make peace with a bully. At some point, you got to let them know they can't keep doing that. And I don't know if my dad was trying to get me in a fight. Or if he was just giving me a pastoral statement. I think it was a pastoral statement. I took it totally different. And I looked at your boy. I said, do it one more time. I'm going to punch you in the face. He was like, oh, like to see you try. Me two hits. You hit me. I'll pop you. Boom, you hit the ground. He's talking trash. I'm like, okay, cool. He let me get all the way to the New Testament. Matthew. Mark, Luke, John, <laughs> I didn't even stop. I dropped the rope. I said, axe, bam. His nose exploded. He was like, Pshoom. and I was like, Wah! like it was an amazing moment. And then I started crying, you know, cause I was one of those kids that cried. I was like, like helicopter mood, like, like I was one of those crazy, you know, the teacher was like, dear God, what's going on? I was like, I'll break some you know. Bring on your brothers. I'm freaking out. He never messed with me again. He would look at me. I'd be like, Matthew, Mark. 
Here's what I'm trying to get you to understand. The enemy will always attack you when you get closer to the word and the will of God. He will constantly pester you. And you have to understand that at some point you have more power on the inside of you. What I'm trying to get you to understand is if you access and exercise what God has given you. God will not make you exercise what you have access to. You have access to this book, but God will not make you use it. He gives you access. He gives you authority, and it's up to you to walk in it. Yes. How many of y'all have kids? Raise your hand. Every campus, you got kids. You got kids? How many of y'all, you love you? I love my, love my kids. Love my kids. But you have your kids ever done something dumb? Like I, have to, I have to stop myself from looking at my kids and being like, what's, what's wrong with you? Like, that's not nice because there's nothing wrong with them. Because uh, think about it. If God treats you like you treat your kids. Because mm. I promise you, you've done plenty for God to look at you and go, what's wrong with you? But as much as they do wrong, I still love them. And I love them more than I love you. Sorry. Like, if it's between you and them, I'm going to be like, all right, I'm going to pray for you. Make sure you're ready to meet Jesus. And then I'll do your eulogy. It's my baby because I'm not God. I love my kids. You mess with my kids, I will bring the full weight of my Hawaiian shirt upon you. I'll lay hands on you about the head and shoulders violently. And then I'll call all my friends. I'll call Pookie. I'll call everybody. We're, going, we're all coming. Don't play. I got people. The ushers of our church be like, hey, y'all, come on, let's go. Ushers are crazy. And if I love my kids that much, and I'm ready to fight for my kids that much, the Bible says, how much more does your heavenly father love you? What I'm trying to get you to understand, I had, I just, I had this moment. I had this moment in my office this week when I had a revelation that when the enemy, I had a, a full-on old-school gospel moment in my office. Like, a, like one of those. Full on. Because I had this little revelation. I hope you get it. When I am persuaded that I am a son of a king, there are consequences when the enemy messes with me. You, you didn't get it. What, what I'm trying to tell you is that when the enemy's pushing you around, the more you lean into God, the more God is released to act like God and act on your behalf. And if your dad gets mad when somebody messes with you, how much more will your heavenly father bring the full weight of heaven to come to your defense? Don't tell me you're alone in a situation when all of heaven is cheering you on. Let me, let me back it up with a little scripture. Here's, here's what the Bible says about it. In Exodus chapter 23, verse 22, it says, if you listen carefully to what he said, and do all that I say. This is God talking. I will be an enemy to your enemies. And I will oppose those who oppose you. Devil bear, look out. Messing with my family. Messing with my marriage. Messing with my life. When you realize who you are. And you realize the power is not in who you are, but in whose you are. You can call on heavenly authority. You can call on heavenly deliverance and God will come to your rescue. That's a revelation when we're persuaded. 
And it's a holy persuasion that I give my life to God. And all of a sudden he begins to build the persuasion on the inside of me. And I begin to realize he loves me no matter what happens. Job had it, though he slay me, yet will I praise him. If I die, I'm going to die worshiping him. Hebrews chapter 11 is filled with heroes of the faith who died in the faith, not even seeing come to pass what God had told them. And they died in the faith, believing that if it don't happen when I'm alive, it's still going to happen because I am persuaded that nothing can take me out of the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Here, forgive me. I'm, I'm fired up. There's two camps. You're either persuaded or you're not persuaded. That's it. And you're not persuaded just because you come to church. The Bible doesn't say you're transformed by the church attendance. My, my hope is that you're persuaded enough to trust in God and let him build the faith and the persuasion on the inside of you. That I just believe. I know everything's falling apart. I just believe. Listen, I, if I preach the good news every weekend and lives aren't changed, that's not the good news. That's just good advice. And I want you to get some good advice, but I also want to tell you about a secret. I also want to tell you about the mystery of God, and I don't understand it all. But when you pray, and you pray in the power of Jesus' name, something begins to happen. Wish I could explain it? Can't explain it. It just happens, and God acts on your behalf when you're persuaded, when you pray in the power of persuasion and trust that God knows what he's doing. And it doesn't happen just because you come to church. I want you to come to church. I want you to get in a group. Listen, how many of us know people are saved and not set free? There's not enough persuasion in there to walk in the authority of what you have. That's why in our church, we are very simple. We don't have 83 programs. We have four things we want you to do. Number one, we want you to know God. Number two, we want you to find freedom. Number three, we want you to discover your purpose. And number four, we believe, according to the scriptures, that God wants you to make a difference. God's called you uniquely. We do that through weekends. We've had more than 30,000 people know God in the past four years on the weekend. I think that's something we ought to celebrate at every campus. Thank you, Jesus. But also, I don't want to leave you just knowing God. I want you to find freedom. And that's why we have, have had more than 20,000 people go through our growth track and, get, and begin to discover their purpose. And if you haven't gone through growth track, go through growth track. Get in a group. Find some freedom. And then make a difference. We had thousands of people serving all over our city yesterday, making a difference. It, it's not just coming that is persuasion. Persuasion is action. Yeah. I can go sit in the garage all day long and I'm never going to be a car. <laughs> Even if I go, that's weird. <laughs> At some point, Bible says, Romans chapter 12, verse two, you're transformed by the renewing of your mind. How does that happen? It's not just the way you change. I'm going to change the way I think. No, I'm going to allow God to supernaturally transform my mind and transform my heart so that I pray the things that God prays. I say the things that God says. Let me, let me teach you for just a minute. I'm preaching today, preaching and teaching. It's a new word. John chapter eight, verse 32. Jesus says, and you shall know the truth and the truth. Oh man, I want you to get this. And the truth shall make you free. That's an awesome statement. But the truth is an absolute. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't move forwards. It doesn't move backwards. The truth doesn't reach. Free. It's the truth. It's just, it's the truth. It's the knowing of the truth that sets you free. It's the active persuasion on the inside of you that says, no matter what's happening around me, there's something happening in me. Listen, God is just God without your persuasion. Look at me. Without your persuasion, God is just God. 
But when you are persuaded that he is the king of the world, God becomes what he is to you. He becomes a savior and he becomes a healer and he becomes a way maker and he becomes a wonderful and a counselor, mighty God and the prince of peace. And he becomes who he is. How many of you want God to be who he is in your life? Always heard about what God can do, but it's unlocked by you. Oftentimes our lack of faith binds God's hands. But when we put our faith in God, he's unlocked to be God. That's revelatory, and I hope you get it. It changed me just this week thinking about that. Man, why isn't God showing up more in areas of my life? And I thought about that. I'm not persuaded enough that he can. Have you ever thought about about real persuasion? Think about this. The demons were more persuaded than the disciples. I hear you, mama. The demons were more persuaded than the disciples. Think about it. The disciples are like, I don't know if he can do it. And the demons are like, hey, when you cast us out, can you put us over there? There wasn't a battle. There wasn't a fight. Jesus was like, I'm going to go fight darkness now. No, darkness already lost. That happened a long time ago. When you go into your room and you cut the lights on, like the, the light and the darkness don't have a battle, do they? Darkness is like, no, you will. And the light is like, ah. And finally, okay, darkness finally lost. No. When light shows up, darkness must go. I read the back of the book and we already win. So you just have to put your faith and your persuasion in a holy God who's already there. So how do I get persuaded? Well, a big one is who's persuading you? Who are you listening to? Who's around you? I'm convinced that you cannot have a positive life with negative influence. I want to have a life that. I look at I look at my situation and I say, you know, it looks hard, but God is good. So I surround myself with good people. Jennifer and I just went on a uh, all expense paid Mediterranean cruise with Convoy of Hope, which is a missions partner of ours. They were the first ones, one of the first organizations here during Hurricane Harvey. They do amazing things. Google them. It's unbelievable. And we were able to go throughout the world and see what they've done. We met with a bunch of pastors. We had kind of a conference on the boat. And then we had a lot of fun, too. And we had a ton of fun. I was with a lot of fun pastors. We had a blast. It was crazy. I thought one night we were going to get kicked off the ship. We were playing this game called Spoons. Have y'all ever... Spoons. Okay, so some of you are like, "What is that?" Okay, it's just cards and spoons, and people get people get wild after midnight playing spoons. Like they'll just reach over and like, people are like, ah, like screaming, hollering. Coffee cups are breaking. I thought they're gonna leave us right here in the ocean. They're gonna put us a little floaty and be like, "Bye," you know, be like calling somebody, like, "Hey, come get it." But but they, they, in fact, one of the guys came up and I thought they're gonna shut us down. He was like, "Look, this looks like the most fun we've ever had on this ship without alcohol." <laughs> I was like, "There's a lot of coffee." In fact, I took, it was just fun. We were just together. I took a video. I want y'all to see it. Check, check this out. All right. Here we go, boys. How do you feel, Brandon? Do you feel like you're going to take this? It's like a winner. It's like a winner. Or you're playing against the pastor. You know, fellowship is just two fellows in a ship, amen? <laughs> I thought that was, I thought that was awesome. <laughs> we laughed for 10 minutes on that. That was hilarious. But it's true. Fellowship is just two fellows in a ship. And you better make sure that you have somebody else in your boat who's encouraging you and not laughing when your side springs a leak. I want somebody who's over there helping me bail water. Because if you're not helped, if you're not careful, even the, listen, you've got to have a relationship with God because sometimes even the good people in your life will give you bad advice. I got an example of that. Take a look at this. 
Roll the video. So, Brandon. So, Brandon. Tell us what you ordered. I can't. I can't do it. I ordered some uh, Long John Silver fish and tartar sauce. Chief, come on, get it. So great. Got little sardines. Eat one. Just for the video, bro. bro. Should do it for the video. Do it for the gram. Do it. Do it. Do it. You should dip in the sauce. You should definitely dip in the sauce. I would have gotten way more sauce. Oh, you're a genius. Watch this face. It's so funny. Now, here's what's hilarious. Like, he was certain. I'm not going to do it. Like, he looked at me. He's like, no way I'm going to do it. And I was like, do it for the gram. He's like, yeah, I'm going to do it. Watch, watch who you allow to speak into your life because sometimes the people who are around you are good people trying to convince you of good ideas aren't convincing you of God ideas. In, in Acts chapter 21, the apostle Paul is approached by a prophet named Agabus. And Agabus uh, says, Paul, give me your belt. And he takes the belt and he ties his own hands and he ties his own feet. And he says, thus saith the Lord, or the Holy Spirit has declared that whoever owns this belt will be bound when they go to Jerusalem. It's a prophetic word. It's going to be hard. Life's going to be hard. And the people that are around Paul, that love Paul, the saints in the church are like, don't go to Jerusalem. He's got a mandate from God to go to Jerusalem. A prophet has just told him you're going to Jerusalem. And the people around are going, it's going to be hard. Don't go. And Paul looks at him and says, why are you, why are you breaking my heart? I'm not only prepared to be bound, I'm prepared to die for the kingdom. And the Bible says when they could not dissuade him, the people said, okay, then let the will of the Lord be done. Even God's good people sometimes will try to dissuade you from the will of God in your life because they disagree with how God is operating in your life. But what they didn't know was when Paul went to Jerusalem, it was going to change the face of Christianity. It was going to literally blow it up around the world and God was going to do amazing things. Don't let the opinion of others keep you from the will of God. Make sure, I've told you this since day one, make sure you don't just have a relationship with a church and have a relationship with a connect group. Please make sure you have a relationship with the Holy One of Israel. Please make sure that you have a relationship with this book right here because it's what will get you through. I apologize. I'm a little fired up. You're going to go through hard times and you're going to go through tough times. I don't even have time to preach this. Three Hebrew children went into the fiery furnace. But before they went in, they looked at the king and the king said, listen, if you'll just bow down to the idol, very simple, just literally just just nod and you won't go into the fiery furnace. Just worship. He's basically saying, worship me. How many things are looking at you saying, hey, worship me. Give me your time. Give me your effort. Give me your energy. Give me your resources. That's what he's saying. And they look at him and they say, oh, king, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. Our God can deliver us. But if he does not, we will never bow to your idol. Why? Because we're persuaded. We're persuaded that this is the best way. We're persuaded that this is the only way. We're persuaded that God loves us and nothing can separate us. And they throw them in the fire. Now, many of us would have been great up until they threw us in the fire. But my God is able. He's going to deliver me. He's going he's to get me out of this. But they get in the fire and they begin to worship. They begin. In fact, they went in bound and the fire doesn't burn their clothes or burn their bodies. It burns the ropes off of their hands. And all of a sudden they're in the fire more free than they were on the other side of the fire. 
And the king comes and looks and he goes, hey man, didn't we throw three in the fire? Yep, we did, boss. Well, behold, I see four and the fourth looks like the son of God. Here's what I wrote in my margins of my Bible. How did he know? He's a heathen king. How did he know what the son of God looks like? Here's how the enemy always recognizes God when he shows up in your situation. He's just kind of waiting to see if you recognize these boys recognize that God was able. And the one who threw them in the fire was the one who got them out of the fire. Hey, get them, get them out of that. Here's a little revelation I had this week. Do you know who didn't come out of the fire? God. And he's still in the fire. So when you walk through a fire, take heart. He's already there and he's been waiting on you and you're not going through it by yourself. You're going through it with a holy God who gets you through anything. You better stop playing that like that right there. Hmm. Write this down. Your persuasion cannot be dependent on what you are going through. Cannot be. Too many of us have wimpy persuasion. And I'm persuaded when things are good. Can you bring me my tree? Thank you. I needed a tree. Because I want, I want to show you. Thank you very much. This is a tree. This is the problem. Because most of us look at life like this. From the outside. Ah tree in blue and when life is good and the leaves are green and the shade is there we say God is good and I am persuaded that nothing shall separate me from the shade of thine divine glory oh hallelujah but then all of a sudden the season shifts and the leaves turn brown and at first we say, oh, look at the beauty of all of the leaves until they start falling off. And then we start going, everything is dead. Why? You don't look at a tree or a forest full of trees in dead December and go, why God hast thou killed thine fruit? Why oh God hast thou baked the land and killed the tree? You don't say that. You know why you don't say that? Because you know this season will have an end because it's not about what's happening here. It's about what's happening here. And in tough times and in hard times, if I will let my roots grow deep into the word of God and not let what's happening around me shake what's happening in me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Not what's happening on the outside of me because look it can look hopeless on the outside i remember as a young youth pastor it looked absolutely hopeless for one kid his family were good people they came to church loved god but their kid at about the age of 12 or 13 began to struggle began to struggle with what god was doing in his life and begin to walk away from god and by his own actions rejected god walk away from the church and about 13, he started getting into alcohol, hanging around the wrong people. 13 years old, became a 14-year-old alcoholic. Many nights, laying on his bed in a drunken stupor. His parents doing everything they could. Sweet people doing everything they could. Praying for him, talking to people. Brad, could you just talk to somebody? Can we just help you? And he just, he was a nice kid. He wasn't super unruly. He just, 
He just had an addiction. And he never thought that God could change him. So he didn't even try. And I remember the day that I was in my office and I got the phone call. And they said, you need to come to the hospital. Brad's been run over by 18-wheeler in his truck. It's completely totaled his truck. Alcohol was involved. I rushed to the hospital. But they didn't have any record of him there, which scared me to death. I called a few other hospitals. No record of Brad in the hospital. And it was before cell phones, so I had to go back to my office. And I was, I was going to call the family and find out where they were and what morgue I needed to go to, what funeral home I needed to go to. And the next thing I know... Brad came walking in my office. I got to tell you, I was a little spooked. <laughs> Not a scratch on him. And he had tears in his eyes. And he said, I don't know how it happened. But I walked away from that. I'm okay. And I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. And in that moment, Brad gave his life to Jesus. And I talked to his mom, Pam, later. I was like, what happened? She said, oh, I had a word from God. She said every night while he was drunk and all of that stuff, I had a word from God when he was a young boy that God was going to use him. And I'm persuaded that what God gives me, he's not going to take from me. And so every night I would go in his room and I'd lay hands on him while he was out. He didn't even know I was praying for him. And I'd say, God, you made me a promise. And I'm persuaded that you're going to keep that which I've committed to you. And now, here, this weekend, Brad Ellerby's right here. Would you stand up? Brad Ellerby's right here on the front row. He's starting a church in two months in our hometown. And God's going to do something in his life because he had a mama who was persuaded that God was able get persuaded and you're unstoppable the enemy is scared to death that you'll get persuaded sit down I want to pray for you Lord I thank you for each and every person under the sound of my voice Lord I've screamed and hollered and spit as much as I could so passionate about this because when we get persuaded it changes everything I'm praying now God for those who are lost and far from you nobody looking around the bottom line is this when you recognize your need for Jesus you come to him open handed and say I repent I need you and when you do that it unlocks persuasion and he begins to persuade you so that you become filled with faith and persuaded. And that's the beginning of a journey where you continue to stir that up for the rest of your life. But it has to begin with an encounter with Jesus. So if you're under the sound of my voice at any of our campuses, nobody looking around for just this moment. The Bible says when you acknowledge him, he will acknowledge you. So if you know that you haven't been persuaded, but you'd like to be persuaded today. Would you acknowledge him just by lifting up your hand all across this campus right here? Thank you. Hands everywhere. Every campus. Just lift your hands. I'm ready. I'm ready to go all in. I'm ready to be persuaded. And can we every voice, every voice at every campus, will you lift your voices and pray this prayer? Jesus, you're the only one who can save me. Forgive me of my sins. I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on a cross. I believe you rose again so that I can live in victory. So I'm asking you right now to be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, I am persuaded. Come on, let's give Jesus an ovation of worship. It's so good.
Johnston. God is doing something amazing in our city and in our church. I don't want anybody going anywhere. Don't leave yet. We have a few more things that we're going to do. We're going to give you your next steps. Our campus pastors are coming right now. Can you give them a great big hand? They do such a wonderful job. Come on, Pastor Kevin.